and welcome to 13, the podcast that asks 13 questions of Colgate community members. I'm your host, Daniel DeVries, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Colgate alumnus John A. Golden, a member of the Colgate class of 1966. Golden is Emeritus Chair of the Colgate Board of Trustees and a generous university benefactor, having made significant contributions to a number of university projects and faculty endowments and um, student investments. In 2006, Golden and the Golden Family Foundation established the Golden Fellowship, which each year selects a number of qualified sophomores and juniors interested in pursuing law or medical school and provides them with financial support for unpaid internships, admission test fees for the LSAT, MCAT, uh, prep services, and costs related to graduate admission process, including travel costs associated uh, with off-campus Golden Fellowship events. So I want to welcome you to the show, Mr. Golden. It's a pleasure to have you here. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your time at Colgate. What did you major in, and uh, what influence did the university have on on your life as a student? Uh, I majored in economics, and actually that was somewhat of a default major uh, because I noticed uh, at the, uh, I guess during the middle of my sophomore year that uh, Colgate had a uh, economic study group in London. And uh, I probably was going to be a poli-sci major, uh, but I was told in order to go on the economics study group and go to London, which I thought was a a great idea after uh, experiencing uh, two Colgate winters so far, um, that uh, I thought it was the smart thing to do to uh, identify as an economics major. So I switched. I became an economics major. And I went to uh, London with a great group of guys uh, uh, led by uh, Professor Leo Ellison, uh, who was an economics professor. So that was that was that was an awesome uh, awesome experience uh, off campus hmm. uh, and uh, on campus I I can't uh, but think about all the fabulous professors uh, who were uh, here uh, comes to mind first always is Jonathan Kistler who was a spectacular uh, English uh, professor um, uh, but the professors in the poli sci department the history department. Uh, uh, even philosophy and religion uh, were all uniformly uh, superb. So I, I, I always felt that the quality of the uh, teaching here uh, in the small classrooms that we would experience, uh, I'm not sure they still have those small classrooms, but uh, they were basically two rows deep. Oh, wow. And um, it would be like 10 to 15 men. Uh uh, and uh, that, so you couldn't hide very well uh, in those classrooms. So it was, it was a great experience. Uh, Professor Blackmore, whose name is uh, uh, here, I had two years, of, uh, two two semesters of English with him, um, and he was uh, he, he was awesome as well. So there was, the, just, there was a jazz, isn't there a jazz yeah, collection yeah. named after him? Yeah, yeah. He he was into that. He he was he was particularly interesting because he had had a real life before being a professor. I think he had. Uh, worked at Life Magazine or Look oh, wow. Magazine or one of the magazines, and he'd come back up to Colgate uh, and uh, uh, to be an English professor. And again, it was one of those rooms that was two rows deep. Wow. Uh, I, I will say he spent the whole time, uh, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, uh, s- sucking in cigarettes. <laughs> and we, would, we would watch him. Uh, we would watch him. <laughs> Self-emulating, uh, uh, we go through we have a pack during the class, and oh, he'd wow. say, "What is Chaucer? What is what is Chaucer saying here?" And we just we just go for it. But he was great. And oh, that's were, the, the professors were really uh, top uh, top notch. Uh, um, could students smoke in class back then? Uh, I never saw a student smoke okay. in class. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, professor, uh, he, he smoked. I can't recall anyone else doing it oh, because his, his was. His was such an indelible uh, impression on uh, all our all our minds. Um, so, uh, but uh, uh, great experience here. Good friends uh, to this date. My best friends are uh, a combination of of guys I went to Colgate with, and uh, f- frankly, also guys I uh, grew up with and who I went to law school with uh, wow. subsequently. So we're all very, very, very close. Uh, this winter saw a whole bunch of the guys uh, in various parts of the country. So uh, Colgate really bonds people together. Yeah, we hear that a lot. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so you mentioned law there. Tell us a little bit about your, uh, your life after Colgate. So what happened once you graduated? What did you end up going to do? Uh, well, if I back up a second, we had this great thing called the Jan Plan. Why they got rid of it, I don't know. I've heard of this. Uh, but they shouldn't have, but it was great. It, it, and anyway, my senior year after I came back from London, uh, I went on the Washington study group. Okay. And uh, we spent down time down in the nation's capital. Um, I think I have a framed picture of myself with our group with Congressman Purdy, who was uh, the congressman for uh, Hamilton at that particular time. Huh. So out of that, um, as I graduated, I was fortunate to get a uh, summer job uh, with a congressman, uh, which was a great experience um, living and uh, working oh, wow. in, uh, in D.C. Um, and uh, just going to, to uh, the House and the Senate and listening uh, to them uh, debate. I, I will say the quality of debate in the House and the Senate uh, paled in comparison of going to the House of Commons in London ah. where, where they really debated. Uh, they, they really debated. If you watch TV today, you would see that. Uh, but it was a great experience uh, uh, down there. So I had that under my belt before I, I, went to, uh, I went to law school. So I happened to go to law school in New York City um, at uh, uh, Columbia. Um, and uh, maybe that was a step up in the, in, in the competition in the sense of the, the student body and everything, but also very good people. Um, we had women in our class, which we hadn't had at uh, uh, Colgate, not in the numbers that are today, but, but it was a uh, more normal uh, uh, setting. Uh, likewise, awesome professors, uh, great uh, classmates, hmm. um, and um, uh, that, that, sign, that type of uh, situation. So uh, that was law school. Uh, it was the middle of the Vietnam War. Uh, everybody was figuring out what they were going to do. Uh, I forget the, t the precise name of the movie that was uh, produced by my classmates, uh, not Band of Brothers, that's the movie, but uh, there was a very good documentary produced probably 30 years after the end of the Vietnam by a couple of guys in my class that they still play at reunions, I think, oh, wow. uh, which uh, really spoke to the divide between those of us who served in Vietnam and those of us who didn't serve in Vietnam and how it took a long time for many of those guys who were very close friends while here at Colgate mm. uh, to get back uh, get back together again. So all of us were, were figuring out what we're going to, going to do, um, whether you're going to uh, actively enlist, whether you're going to go in the reserves, whether you're going to go teach, whether in an extreme case you're going to Canada. Uh, so we had all of that uh, uh, to uh, uh, deal with. In my, in my own personal experience, I... I uh, was accepted into uh, a unit with, uh, I don't know who Bill Bradley was. Bill, Bill Bradley was a basketball player. He was supposed to be in my law school class, but he didn't show because he made the Knicks. And uh, uh, anyway, I figured out what unit he was in because he was in a reserve unit. After two years, I got accepted in the reserve unit, did all the tests. Uh, I think the only one I really passed was the intelligence test. I think I was crashing my simulator and I found out I was colorblind. <laughs> anyway, I went and wound up and, and uh, I wanted to do this, not to go fight, but to be having served. And it turns out I had some medical problem I had no idea about that they found out down at the Air oh, Force wow. Base. So while I thought I was going down to Texas for basic training, they threw me out of the Air Force. So that was the end of my military, uh, the end of my military career. So I went to work at a very good law firm, uh, which... Uh, is another tying example because it was Hughes, Hubbard, and Reed, Charles Evans, Hughes, hmm. Colgate graduate, governor mm -hmm. of the state of New York, chief justice of the Supreme Court, yeah. failed candidate for the presidency of the United States. Famous alum. Famous yeah. alum. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, that's the name of my law school. Parenthetically, he was, he, he was a student here. I think he transferred to Brown, actually graduated from Brown. He was a student at Columbia. So I have all these Charles Evans Hughes things. In fact, I have a bobblehead somewhere from Charles <laughs> Evans Hughes. Um, and I wound up going, uh, going to that uh, law firm. Uh, I took a quick sabbatical early on uh, to join the Lawyers Against the War. And I wound up going out to Colorado and working on some political campaigns. 
I thought that was a bright idea because the senior partner of our firm, guy, a, a Brahmin fellow by the name of Orville Shell, was the leader. Hmm. Um, in fact, if you know Zagat's Guide for Restaurants in New York, Tim yeah. Zagat was one of our guys. I mean, we had all sorts really? of people in this thing. Anyway, I went out to Colorado, lived there for six months or so, worked on campaign. We won the primary. We lost the general election. Um, uh, so I came back uh, to... Uh, to work at the law firm, work there. And then uh, another Colgate connection fortuitously was uh, I met a Colgate graduate who was an investment banker uh, where we were representing his firm in transactions. We got very friendly. And uh, he uh, said, why don't you come over and talk to us? So I went over and talked to us. And I, after like a dozen tough interviews, I dropped my lawyer title and became an investment banker oh, at wow. um, uh, Goldman Sachs, which is one of the uh, preeminent um, investment banks where I became a partner at, uh, at, Goldman, uh, at Goldman Sachs. How, so, lo how long were you there, John? Uh, like 17, 18 years. Okay. So, uh, uh, and, and, and towards the end of that, I... Uh, was asked and I accepted to join the board of, uh, of Colgate um, when uh, Neil Graboy yes. was uh, the president. And um, so uh, I was on that board. And then I, ha I uh, at the really unfortunate, terrible, untimely death of Brian Little in like late 2000, so 2000, early through that, by January 2001, um, I was asked by my fellow trustees to become Chair. Hmm. So I became chair through 2000, mid-2007 okay. for the board. All right. Tell me a little bit about your philanthropy at Colgate, some of the things that you've worked to advance here. Um, I don't know if you want to start out with any – talk about any of the endowed chairs or if you want to talk about construction or none of the above. If you just want to talk about the fellowship, we can do that. Um, well, we don't like to boast. But, uh, sure. Uh, let me say I started my philanthropy at Colgate in 1966. So I believe I was class gift chair. Huh. So if you go down to Dana, mm -hmm. uh, which I happen to love, it's a brutalist building. You know, a lot of people don't, you know, it doesn't fit. People but, love it but, or they hate but, it. Yeah, I love yeah, yeah. it. I love it maybe yeah. because it was built my junior, senior year. And we got to do, I remember taking art courses in there. Uh, 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 right, the year senior year, I guess. Oh, and right. I thought it was a fabulous building. Yeah. Uh, it was of the time, brutalist uh, architecture. Um, so back then, we we did that. And if you look, there's a big I call it the gong, but in the uh, yeah. uh, there's a piece of art uh, sculpture in the entrance hall hanging there, and that was our class gift. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, you can't uh, miss that. So anyway, so that so that was the start, and and I don't know why, but I, my family's philanthropic. So I started writing ten dollar checks uh, to uh, to Colgate, and um, I think I think our first important gift to Colgate actually was uh, I just was reading the Colgate paper, and I saw some guys were giving money for a Jewish center. I'm Jewish. Um, uh, and I said, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea, because I remember we were always bust out uh, to uh, Utica huh. for uh, for holidays. Sure. So anyway, so I gave gave to that, um, and um, uh, that was, I think, the first meaningful uh, gift we gave. Is that what became Saperstein Jewish Center? Saperstein yeah. was giving X, and we were giving sure. a little X than yeah, X. Yeah. So the chapel in there is named for my parents. Oh, very nice. So uh, if you go inside, there's a nice little plaque to nice. uh, to my parents. Um, who thought it was astounding I came up here, by the way. I mean, I think uh, they, when they were driving me around looking at colleges, I said, I really like that place. And uh, I think they dropped me off freshman year, <laughs> maybe came back sophomore year. <laughs> <laughs> and came back for graduation, which was fine for both of us, I think. Um, Did you grow up in the city? No. Uh, I'm a Jersey guy. Okay. If you're a Jersey guy, you have no pretensions. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. We don't have pretension. So uh, that's just not in our vernacular. No, I, I still think of myself. My wife disagrees because she's a 
Jersey-born. She's actually rural New Jersey, and I wasn't rural New Jersey. Um, uh, she's adapted to the state of New York. I, I, uh, I said, see, no, I'm still Jersey. And uh, uh, so that's where, I, that's where we both happened to. Uh, we happened to both uh, uh, grow up. So where did the idea for the Golden Fellowship come about? Like- uh, the Golden Fellows came about uh, because uh, predating the Golden Fellows, we've uh, funded a, a scholarship at Columbia Law School since I think, uh, I guess my 25th year from Columbia. So this is 1994. If you said 2006 for the fellows, this was, this was predating it by okay. over a decade. Yeah. And uh, that scholarship is extremely parochial. <laughs> uh, I made it parochial. So it has strongest preference for Colgate graduates into it. So over time, I would start keeping note, pretty close note. I guess I became a pain over at Columbia, um, uh, as to who's applying, who's got a chance, who's getting in. Okay. And there were a nice stream of Colgate kids, but never as many as when I was applying to Colgate. I don't know what the relationship was in the mid-60s. Boy, it was a pipe. So there'd be five, six, seven a year going down to Columbia Law hmm. School. So I was uh, getting a little frustrated as to the numbers and I said, gee, maybe there's some program that we could establish that will enhance the preparation of these extremely qualified, um, not only from an aptitude standpoint, but Colgate students are doers. So from an achievement standpoint, that these uh, students uh, might enhance uh, their attractiveness, not only to a Columbia, but to the very top um, uh uh, law schools. Um, and I included medicine in part also because it turns out my older daughter uh, is a doctor. Uh. And uh, so I, I have this, you know, affection also for, uh, uh, for, for medicine. So anyway, we, 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 that was, that was some of the genesis. It was, it was uh, goal directed. It was, Hey, let's say we figure out a program that gives these kids more of a leg up. And, and, and as an aside, let me say, you know, when I, when I was an undergraduate here, I worked construction two summers that I was, you know, a student. I forget, it was, I guess, between freshman and sophomore year, sophomore and junior year, uh, or I forget. But two two years. By the way, it was union. I made a fortune. <laughs> I mean, I liked the present value of what I was making then. And I was a common laborer in a construction gang. You know what? That did not hurt my chances of getting into a Columbia Law School. I got into a Stanford Law School. You know, I mean, I, it did not, the fact that I had not uh, interned at the Supreme Court or, at, at, you know, in, in Federal sure. District Court, done any of that stuff, that was sort of the mores of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, that, yeah. was, that was what you did. And it was looked upon, hey, look at this guy. He did some cool stuff over his uh, summers. Well, that's gone, uh, I think, sadly. I think you learn a lot of life lessons. I met people who surely I don't think the interns meet on a day-to-day basis, the other guys in my construction gang, in my common laborer gang, and watching the other trades and seeing who was accepted into the trades and noticing who was not accepted in the trades and who were were the people who were the common laborers, you know, uh, uh, racially and ethnically. It was a a good education. And just talking to these guys and, 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 you know, how they interacted with their – uh, spouses or girlfriends, and 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 they, when they got their paycheck, it was a, it was a, it was a hell of a good. I thought a hell of a good life experience. Mm. But the world's moved on. Uh, and, and the other segue I'd say is when when I was at Goldman and uh, Toby Wesson, Colgate alum, and Jack Theriot, Colgate alums, back in the mid '80s, um, had a program at their they were at Smith Barney, I believe. They'd have a program the weekend. What was then always the traditional Army Colgate football game in the fall. And seniors, get this, seniors would be invited to listen to a panel of guys like me pontificating on you're interested in getting a job in Wall Street? Well, let us clue you in on what you have to do. But understand, that was October of senior year. Oh, geez. So so it went from being a construction worker to like, okay, we got to speed this up a little bit, but we'll give you some heads up 
but it's not as if you've worked the last two summers as an intern with some kind of financial thing or whatever, or medicine or whatever you were wanting to be. So it's it's grown over time that, again, better or worse, the bar has uh, been moved up. And better or worse, your experience that you're going to show uh, from what you've done during term time in the summer is going to mean a lot more uh, than uh, than uh, what it did historically going back sure. to like everything else that's going on. In, 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 uh, I'm sure it's true at Colgate to get into Colgate. I mean, I ki- read kids' resumes and, you know, babysitting jobs are not as prevalent as having uh, interned or done this or that, civic duties and mm-hmm. things like that. So uh, it's, let's, let's, let's help these kids out. We know they're, they're, they're uh, capable – but other people uh, are uh, are doing it. And I, I would notice it at Goldman just watching the kids interning for the analyst programs, you know, over time, just the same, same kind of thing. So that was the genesis of it. And uh, as fortuitous that I don't know if initially, I can't remember exactly now, but I know over the last uh, X years, uh, Teresa Olson uh, has taken charge and uh, really revamped the program to the point. I, I, I'm a hard grader, so I wasn't happy with what it was doing. Um, I didn't think it was uh, providing the, the the opportunities and the training that they needed. And uh, Teresa and I would talk uh, a lot, and uh, she responded. She's responded spectacularly. She's really enhanced the program uh, uh, to make it uh, have more substance to it so the students who are selected are doing it. And, um, you know, uh, I guess I got a little verklempt, if you know that word, from the old of days. Of course, yeah. All right. Uh, uh, when uh, they started, the kids started wearing, they felt so proud of being a golden fellow that they had one of those braids that I guess all these groups now wear at graduation. Yes, Again, mm-hmm. I'm not a super fan of this, that kind of distinction, but they have one, they have a braid. Just for the golden fellows. Just for the golden fellows. So they're, they're proud. So uh, uh, they're very proud. And this year... Uh, one of the Golden Fellows uh, was a co-recipient of the 1819 Award. That's right. So uh, she's replicating Antonio Delgado, uh, who's, you know, congressman now running for uh, – for a week he was going to be the congressman for Hamilton. That yes, lasted yes. a week. So now he's going to be – now he's going to run for lieutenant governor. Yeah. So whatever. But uh, so it's very exciting. He was exciting. a Golden Fellow? Huh? He was a Golden Fellow? No, oh, no. Okay. He, I, uh, he predated the oh, Golden okay. Fellows. Right, right. Uh, and Teresa Olson, uh, some background here. She's the assistant vice president for career initiatives at Colgate. So she helps oversee that program. She's spectacular. Yeah. Don't let her go. <laughs> Do you know how many students have, have been Golden Fellows through the years? Uh, Roughly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess 100. I'm going to guess 100, but I could be wrong. Teresa, Teresa would know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, I, if my power hadn't gone out last night, I would have uh, done some research. But we're in upstate New York, sure. and uh, storms take out your power. Uh, but it was nice to have candlelight last night till midnight. Um, it can be relaxing when the power goes out at times. I feel like then it's like forced yeah, it's, the it's, cyber, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. once uh, you get over break. trying to find where the matches are and the flashlights, <laughs> then then you kind of mellow down. And um, So how, how many students do they take each year for the Golden Fellows? I know that they have to be academically talented. They have to have, maintain at least a 3.4, right, uh, GPA. Do you know what the – I think there's probably a – if there's two dozen in total, I could look yeah. at my iPad and eyeball it for you better. Rough or dirty, plus or minus, uh, I would say at any time. Uh, well, there's overlaps because, like, we, I, I listened to a, a Zoom that Teresa organized with all the fellows, which included uh, the, the rising juniors. So those they were sophomores, just mm-hmm. about to finish school, the juniors and the seniors. So that would be three cohorts. In essence, it's usually two at a time. So uh, I could be wrong, but if it's 10 to 12 each uh, each year, uh, I think that's rough and dirty. I may be high. I may be a, a, a little low. And I'm telling you, I look at the resumes and uh, I'm blown out. Um, and they are uh, they're extremely diverse and I'm not talking just uh, about uh, racially or ethnically, but where they're from, what kind of backgrounds they have, um, what kind of things they're interested in at uh, uh, at Colgate and 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 outside. Uh, a meaningful cohort are athletes, 
uh, who uh, seem to be able to uh, time manage extremely, <laughs> extremely uh, well. Yeah. Uh, extremely well. So uh, uh, that's uh, th- th- and I and I see that at at Columbia um, and also uh, the med school we help out at is Mount Sinai, where there have been some Colgate grads, and I think every one of them, I think they. And Mount Sinai has been an athlete. I'm not sure what that is, but uh, um, uh, so uh, very impressive, uh, and um, uh, I think it's great that they're they're students of all different small town America, big city America. You know, I, I try and ask where you where'd you grow up, what did you do? Do you, you get know? to meet them every year? Uh, yeah. So now uh, COVID. Yeah, I used to have. We have a home in Hamilton. Okay. Yep. So, uh, you know, we used to get pizza and bring them over to the house, uh, and I always threaten them, and I'm going to do it one year. Is just we're going to walk uh, from uh, like the admissions building to our house because you can. You just walk up uh, past the cemetery through the uh, cross cross country trails. And you go out to some big open fields, and you go over those big open fields, and after a while, you'll wind up at our house. <laughs> so, uh, parenthetically, I do that in the winter. Um, snowshoes required uh, when they're required. I wear yeah, snowshoes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nice. probably, probably uh, less so now, maybe than I than I did. Um, so yeah, uh, this year it was Zoom. Uh, hopefully next year, be back in uh, back in person. All right. So uh, um, it's good. Nice. And uh, I guess, have you received feedback from the students through the years or their thoughts or do you ever, do you ever hear from them? Yeah. No, I always ask them, what can we do better? Mm-hmm. What, 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 what have you, uh, what have you achieved? What, you know, what do you think the programs achieve for you? Um, uh, they're very supportive. Uh, maybe they don't share with me, you know, real negatives, but uh, I hope they do if they have them with Teresa. Uh, uh, but overall, they're, uh, uh, they feel like they've gotten a lot out of it as a group. They, they are a group. I think one of the things I've noticed, because I was asking Teresa about this, I noticed there were some other there some other very good programs. Mm-hmm. There are intern program. My class has an intern has a has a person who we fund, um, and and uh, but my sense is Teresa has structured this one uh, as a group, which is you know it's not just a person is getting support. Uh, uh, advice on uh, uh, on how to approach where they might look and wh- where they might go and those kinds of things. But th- there's so there's group think. They get yeah, together cohesion. as a group. And I think that goes to why they wear the braid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to wear a braid because you are the only one that's like wearing a braid for yourself, right? right, right. So I think the group self it has created a de- identity. That's what got me kind of, you know, emotional about it was that, gee, they got, you know, we got to we got to field an intramural team. Why don't we go at it? <laughs> you have like the Golden Fellows versus the uh, the Benton Fellows. And... Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I th- I think the group cohesiveness is really really a very a telling thing, uh, and um, they're getting into some nice graduate programs, nice. going on to some nice nice jobs. I think there's been an enhancement in where uh, they're going. Uh, I am very close to Mike Wolk. Who has a program uh, uh, aimed specifically Local at doctors? We're, we're, right. we're good buddies, and I'm competitive. He's even more competitive than I am. But he was—he's like an, I think an all-American swimmer here. Um, uh, so uh, we're buddies, and uh, so we sometimes collectively interact with uh, Teresa because we love to see more and more kids go to the best. To the very best of the very best, sure. and uh, um, uh, that would be a joke. They are doing very well. Uh, I, I, I think uh, some of the schools that that are out there, they it'd be great to see more kids getting into some of those schools. Uh, graduate schools are so uh, at the top level are improperly so fixated on. Uh, uh, LSATs and, mm-hmm. and, and MCATs and, and those types of uh, uh, programs. Although I will say, like, M- Mount Sinai has a program that's geared uh, t- to very successful students, but not necessarily uh, science majors. Hmm. They, have a whole, they have a whole program. I think some of these top schools have that as well. They found that 
they can teach the kids biology and some of those things that they're looking for for the students uh, to uh, to att- uh, to attract. So anyway, that's a that's that's a continuing goal is to see more and more of these really superb students um, uh, attaining their ultimate dream. And if their ultimate dream is to go to X, Y, and Z at the very top of the very top, uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't uh, achieve uh, those goals. That's fantastic. So. Thank you for that. One of those golden fellows uh, is joining us today via Zoom. Uh, Janie, where are you right now? Hi, um, I am currently in Manhattan, New, New York. Um, I'm actually sitting in my law firm right now. All right, so we're joined with Janie Zhao, class of 2022, and uh, we're going to hear a little bit about her Golden Fellowship. Janie, welcome to the show. Hi, Dan. How are you? I am well. Tell us uh, about what you're doing right now. Um, I just graduated May of 2022, and uh, I'm working as a corporate paralegal at Paul Weiss, which is a corporate law firm in New York. Nice. And what was your major? I'm a double major in international relations and economics. Okay, great. And tell me a little bit about the Golden Fellowship. How did you find out about it? How did you apply for it? Like, what was the process there? Yeah, of course. Um, I found out about the Golden Fellowship when I was a sophomore. I was just scrolling through the Colgate portal. Um, And then I realized that this is a thing that's dedicated for law, uh, pre-law students and also pre-med students. But at the time, I just wasn't 100% sure like the law is the way I want to go. So then I explored a little bit more in my sophomore year and I talked to um, I connected with some Golden Fellows. So what I did was I went onto LinkedIn and I typed in Golden Fellow on Colgate <laughs> and a bunch of people came up and I just reached out to them and asked them about their experience with Golden and it has all been really positive. I think a few things that attracted me to apply for the Golden Fellowship is, first of all, these students that I spoke with were like really, really dedicated to, to their work and then they know exactly what they want. And I think that drive really attracted me. And also just, you know, having that mentorship from older students. And also, I know they say like there's mentorship from CAD, from Career Services. Um, and then also, of course, the financial benefits um, of being a Golden Fellow. I think that's just all really great. So you apply, you get accepted. Then what happens? Like how does your Golden Fellowship uh, work? Does it, is it a semester? Is it multiple semesters? Like what's the process? I would say like, if you're a golden fellow, you are one for life. Um, I got it in my junior year, I remember. Yeah, so I started using it um, during the junior summer. I had an internship and of course that was during COVID. So I had, I was lucky enough to have had an internship in Boston, but I wasn't from Boston area and the internship didn't really pay a lot. Um, so the golden fellowship really helped with that. And then I also used it for, uh, like an LSAT blueprint course. Anyone who's trying to prepare for LSAT knows like those classes are ridiculously expensive. And so uh, Mr. Godin's really just very generous and he pays for all of it. There isn't like how there's a cap on how much you can spend on the material, the test, the the classes material, you know, like there's some people that will say, oh, a thousand dollar cap, that's what they do in my law firm. But, you know, like those classes sometimes can go up to like 1,500, 2,000. And for an undergrad student, that's just ridiculous. And then also they also cover um, the first time you take the LSAT class. And the, the good thing is I'm friends with a lot of the pre-law students at Colgate. And we are just always talking about, hey, what kind of legal internship you're doing, where you are right now in your LSAT studying process. Um, and also, of course, you know, now that I'm a law firm, so I started the law um, the paralegal job search process actually during the same time, like around my junior summer, it wasn't a little early, I know, but I'm just a very anxious person. Also as an international student, I thought that, you know, the visa plays kind of a huge role in staying in the United States. Um, so then I reached out to some of the Golden Fellows who are in law. And when I introduced myself as like, you know, a Golden Fellow, it really did set me apart. And they know that I'm someone who's really serious about my studies. Um, they know that it's kind of like a marker that you really are dedicated about doing law and you, you're just like a student, I suppose. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, and also actually on my current job, 
um, is one of the pr prior Golden Fellows, Dan Lee. She she went to Colgate, went to Columbia Law, and of course is Golden Fellow. Um, and she introduced me to this job, and that's how I got here. Actually, it's like a Golden Fellow network, right? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that, that's really neat. It's like a Colgate network, but more exclusive. Oh wow! And <clears throat> was there any um, uh, things that were offered on campus as a Golden Fellow um, outside of uh, helping to pay for LSAT prep? Um, definitely, I think on campus, I I was able to talk to um, Kat. Of course, she's a pre-law advisor. She's always been really nice to me. Started seeing her in freshman year, and and then I just had her continuous mentorship. And then there's also Teresa who is also great with like looking for jobs and she's really big help in that. And then also on campus, we meet up, like the Golden Fellows meet up, I, I'd say about like twice or so um, each semester. And then for the past year, we had like this little research thing we did um, that's like a cross section between law and medicine. And my group, um, my friends, Flora and Sissy and me, we did um, on like the, how does law impact medicine in terms of human reproductive? And then we invited over Colgate alums to come for a panel discussion and we invited students to come. And it was actually really successful. We had about like, I would say like around 60 students that turned up for the discussion and then they could come to Benton for like a dinner and, you know, just talk about that. Um, so then what we did was like, we had, it was um, a law on like um, human reproductive rights and how does that impact like um, reproductive clinics, abortion clinics, and how does doctors prescribe medicines. So we had three alums from Colgate, one who's doing in terms of uh, legislation work, and then one is doing actual clinical work, and the other girl who is studying uh, like just um, public health, I think, currently as a master. Um, so then we discussed about that. I think it was really cool. And also, I, I do think that is actually in retro retrospective, it's all very important because right now, you know, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And of course, had we known that, maybe we could have discussed that or like, you know, the future badge of Colgate um, Golden students can talk about that. I, I think that would be really cool. And that's wildly relevant. That was in 2021. You did that research? We did. We started that uh, 2021 summer and then we had... Um, we just like continuously reach out to alums to organize that panel talk. And then we uh, held it around April of uh, this year. Oh, wow. Were there any uh, significant findings or anything that you discovered that informed your, I guess, thoughts as the Supreme Court made its decision uh, earlier this year? Um, I don't think I had any findings like I wouldn't say you know because it wasn't like a research research it was more about finding out the topic um but I always think like knowing more about the topic really does help because I wasn't as informed about it um as I should be I feel and also just after discussing with more women I think it it was very um, educational just having more people know about it's always better um and I think living in New York we are very very privileged and <clears throat> a lot of these um, like decisions do affect people differently. Um, and also with like different economic, socioeconomic background and status, you are also impacted differently. So I do wish like now that sooner I am going to law school, I hope there is, I could say it's something that's more in depth or like insightful about it or learn more about it and make some kind of changes. But right now I really don't have a lot of great things to say. What, what area of law are you thinking about specializing in? I, I, I don't really know yet, which is why I'm taking two years to work before going to law school. Um, currently, I'm working in investment funds, uh, which is one of the department in corporate. And um, it's really very fun. It's very intense. I work very long hours. Um, but the people here are really amazing. They're very caring. And I just really like to see what exactly a lawyer do before I go to law school. I don't have anyone in my family who, who is a lawyer. And I think like hearing about law or like watching law on movies is very different than the daily grind work. It's not like um, law and order. 
I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of times TV shows, they portray like litigation lawyers. They're always arguing in court. I'm not sure if you ever would suits. I, I was a huge suits fan when I was in high school. Um, but no, like we, I face two computers every day and that's a lot of, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's less uh, glamorous, but I really do enjoy the work. Nice. Uh, so what would you say to any students uh, thinking about applying for the Golden Fellowship? I think the first thing you should do is to reach out to a few Golden Fellows and either they could be in Colgate or already graduated. Just ask their perspective, ask about why they want to do law. What is it that what they how they benefited from the Golden Fellowship, you know, uh, and this is just only my perspective, you know, so talk to as many people as you can and then if you do decide to apply, that's really great. Um, we are always more than happy to help you with your application. Just reach out to as many Golden Fellows as you can, talk to them, ask about their experience. And I think just the fact that you're communicating with them helps you to see the path ahead a lot clearer. Um, and I think that that's always great, you know, knowing where you're going and knowing more will help you to see whether or not you actually like it. I'm curious, have you ever met John Golden? I met him on Zoom. I think he used to come to Colgate um, for like a dinner, but then during COVID, he didn't come. Sure. Um, yeah. So I met him on Zoom a few times and then I wrote him letters. Yeah. And then that was it. But I really wish I could meet him in person. Since now I'm in New York, you know, it's not as rural as Hamilton. Was there any course or any component of your studies at Colgate that you feel like uh, has given you a leg up in your study of law or in your working uh, as a paralegal right now in, in preparation for law school? Yeah. I came into Kogi really liking international law and econ, which is international relations and econ, which is what I did. I think I wouldn't say you should only do this major because when you talk to law school, they really don't have any restrictions on what classes you take. Um, but because I was interested, I took courses like international law and I took um, like some of the econ, economic law courses, and also just learning about industrial organization. Um, that's like the more specific corporate side of law, I would say. Um, but one advice I would give is just whatever course you're in, whatever major you're, you're doing, just give it your all. Because doing law is a lot about being very organized, being very de dedicated. And when you just give your all to all these classes and ask questions to these professors, go to their office hours, you just learn so much more. And then um, they're very willing to help you. I would say like, that's the best thing I got out from Colgate is everyone. They're so willing to spend time on you and help you. Um, so like the process of making sure you do each class well and understand what's going on and love it. I think that's, that's what I, I would recommend, but not specifically a, a major or a class. Thank you so much, Janie. That's perfect. So I want to ask one more question here. Thirteenth question. We always try to do something a little bit more fun. But I'm very curious, as a you know lawyer, um, what what advice do you give to students thinking of going into law? What is the most important thing for them to learn or to understand when they're entering the law profession or when they're pursuing a law degree? I guess what background or what knowledge do you encourage them to kind of I figure out how to be an investment banker. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> outside of investing. <laughs> All right, so maybe I shouldn't but, have law. But, but no, 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 no. Um, uh, I will say, uh, let me say, law school thinks you how to teaches you how to think. I will say that's the, now that Colgate professors say, what are you talking about? But um, it does create a, a certain sense of. I'm sure cynicism is the great, the great, correct word or whatever. Um, but you're always looking around the corner. And uh, the key to the game of, of, of law is uh, not to freeze when you look around the corner, um, but to understand what might be out there that is not necessarily visible um, and anticipate how you might deal with uh, issues and uh, uh, problems, um, and and I think that's one of the 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 best uh, uh, things that you get to learn in a Socratic uh, law school environment. And it can be a little intimidating when you're in a big room and you got those cheered things, and a professor calls on you, um, and you basically have to answer in front of your not fourteen buddies, but seventy, eighty 
people uh, in in the room. But uh, it really is great mind training. The trick is, though, um, not to see so many problems that you freeze. Mm. And when I switched to investment banking, I happened to be hired by a, a fellow who uh, was a Cornell wrestler but was a Columbia Law graduate also, who went on to be the head of Goldman Sachs. And I, I think – I'm not sure he was secretary of the treasury. He was one of the governors of the Fed. Um, and he said to me in typical uh, Goldman style back then, after six months, he says uh, – he said, uh, you know why I hired you? <laughs> and I said, no, tell me why, Steve. And he said, well, you know, you're not too smart. And I said, well, that's that's very nice of you to say that. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, we had hired a fellow who was brilliant, and he saw so many problems, he couldn't make a decision. Mm. And this is a business of absorbing information, which he was he, he was the world's most tri- triangulator. He was always absorbing information, but making a decision. He says, so you, you clearly absorb the information and you make a decision. And you'll be right 90% of the time. And 10% of the time you won't. And I'll rag on you when you're wrong 10% of the time. But you'll make decisions. And that's what we got to do. We have to do. Th- we have to do. So <clears throat> I think that goes back to Colgate also. Because Colgate people are doers. Yeah, I think they're doers. Uh, so... Uh, I think law, let me say this uh, broadly about law and even medicine, um, they are not necessarily an end into themselves. So uh, uh, if you go to law school and you become a great litigator and you argue in front of the Supreme Court, that is absolutely spectacular. If you go to law school and you're doing work with corporations or whatever and you decide you want to run a corporation or you decide you want to hive off into banking or whatever similar types of things you you, you want to do. Um, you can take the skills you learn. <clears throat> so, because I was never a lawyer at Goldman Sachs. I mean, I just went from law to being a mergers and acquisitions banker. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. I was a banker. Um, same with medicine. I mean, you can do a medicine. Uh, and uh, I've noticed today, because I do a lot of venture investing, uh, and if you do it in the health tech field, you'll find a lot of uh, uh, doctors who've moved over uh, into uh, those arenas. Or you'll find a lot of doctors who moved on to community health issues mm-hmm. uh, who do all sorts of uh, uh, spectacular things. Uh, as an aside, my, my, uh, my older daughter, um, I, I don't know if we addressed it, but we have a home in Hamilton. I have a daughter who lives in Hamilton. I have three grandsons growing up here who play ice hockey and every other sport you can think of. My son-in-law is a local builder. My uh, my other uh, daughter is a doctor, um, and uh, she's a pediatrician, uh, but she's also a lactation expert. Uh, and one of the things she and a group of women created was the New York Milk Bank, which oh, wow. uh, w- which um, accesses mother's milk from like 40 depots from Buffalo to Montauk, Binghamton to Ogdensburg. Uh, all these depots bringing in mother's milk. Very apropos today, given the problems with Abbott. Um, and they bring it into a central place. They pasteurize it and they push it out to NICUs, neonatal oh, intensive wow. yeah. care units throughout the state in, in, the, in the hospital systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was something that, that she helped create. Uh, and it goes outside, and she's the only. I think she's the only MD of the five women who did it. The others were nurses, uh, nurse practitioners. Uh, but that's an example of taking that skill. So there's. So uh, uh, she also has a public health degree. So you, it's not purely if you go to med school, you necessarily, and you can be a fantastic uh, uh, doctor uh, and and postdoc and 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 focus in on a specialty that way. There's so many other things that doctors. Uh, are important and, and and central to doing same thing with uh, uh, same thing with the law. I mean, Antonio Delgado uh, went to Harvard, and you know he had a brief phase as a musician, and then and then and then he's uh, deep into uh, politics. Well, I look, don't how, know. look how many college presidents are lawyers, uh, like Brian Casey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a fair it's uh, common. Very very common when you're in a search process that. Uh, uh, a lot of the candidates for uh, a president of college are deans, frankly, often deans of law schools. Hmm. Um, that seems to be a, uh, a, a progression that they 
take. I don't know if uh, the other congresswoman, Marianne Scallion, I think that's her name, from, from Philly as a lawyer. I'm not sure. She's a Colgate grad. Um, and even Claudia Tenney uh, has a law degree. Yep. Um, so uh, um, I think that's right now the active uh, uh, Colgate um, uh, people in, in, in the uh, – in the Congress at the present time. So if you're a Golden Fellow, to go back to the Golden Fellow, uh, uh, should you go to med school or law school, that doesn't mean you're going to spend your whole career necessarily as a lawyer or as a practicing um, physician. Sure. You may or may not, but it opens up uh, many Many avenues, and, and I know it particularly from uh, from the law, <clears throat> but I see it also uh, from my investing and and, and, and uh, with my daughter and everything uh, on the medical side as well. So, uh, uh, any uh, any first and second year Colgate students listening to this, uh, learn more about the Golden Fellows program. Go talk to Teresa Olson and uh, apply. <laughs> John Golden, thank you so much for joining the show today. You're welcome. (laughs) It was a pleasure having you on. Uh, Tell your friends and family about the podcast. Um, If you have any questions for the podcast, feel free to email us. That's 13 at colgate.edu, 13 the number. And until next time, keep asking questions. 13 is a production of the Colgate University Office of Communications and Events. Episodes are recorded on campus in Lathrop Hall. Executive producer, Colgate Vice President for Communications and Events, L. Hazel Jack. Producer and host, Dan DeVries. And audio production by Brian Ness. Learn about all the happenings at Colgate at colgate.edu, colgatemagazine.com, and colgateresearchmagazine.com.